everyone, welcome to Don't Call Me a Guru. We're back after several months off. I like to call it an extended summer vacation. <laughs> Don't Call Me a Guru is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Today and maybe for the foreseeable future, I'm recording from my home studio. And our guests today are sharing social media insights about the Alberta Medical Association, which for more than 100 years has advocated for its almost 14,000 physician members and their Alberta patients. We're talking to Leopold McGuinness and Stephanie Usher in today's episode. Leopold McGuinness is the web and social media manager for the AMA. He's been managing and designing websites and intranets for nearly two decades and social media for about five years. When he isn't white-knuckling the AMA's social media accounts or figuring out proper user experience design, he enjoys programming, writing, reading, and video gaming. Stephanie Usher has worked in business communications for over eight years, six of which have been with the Alberta Medical Association's public affairs team. She specializes in digital media, including internal and external website and social media coordination, and does integrated digital comms planning and development as well. Steph's got two very cute dogs and is an extremely talented singer. Hello. 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 Thank hello. you for having us. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. I, uh, I've been watching what the Alberta Medical Association has been doing for quite some time now, and I also you know, was fortunate enough to work, um, work alongside you two for, for one of your campaigns. So I'm excited to kind of pick your brains and share that with listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to do it because we've been learning a lot recently. <laughs> Great. Uh, so maybe we'll start with Leopold. Can you share how the AMA is currently using social media for, you know, what, what's your purposes, which platforms, how frequently are you posting, what type of content are you sharing, and why? That's like six questions in one. But <laughs> Sure. I'll, let me know if I miss anything. There's sort of like two periods there. Um, I know you're asking about now, but uh, just for context, our previous period was sort of more of a, well, we have a social media piece because everyone's on social media, but we never really were sure um, exactly how to you best utilize that for our purposes um, and how to find an audience and, and the audience wasn't necessarily there. Um, and then all really significantly changed with the um, dispute with the government um, in which everything sort of blew up and things were happening and we needed to be on there and government was on there so we had to get on there. So now we're, we largely use it um, to communicate with our members and to really help inform the public and doing a lot of fact um, checking and correcting misinformation out there. Um, I think there's a lot of purposeful misinformation, but there's also just general uh, lack of understanding uh, in terms of what doctors do, uh, especially around doctors pay and how that works, how the system works. Um, so that's sort of been our focus uh, at this point. Um, we have several platforms. Uh, Facebook and Twitter are our main ones. We found that sort of dividing up in an interesting way as we go through this, that uh, Facebook is really more and better suited to targeting the, the general public rather than members mm -hmm. um, versus Twitter is much more useful for targeting sort of an informed or actively engaged public. So it's been interesting to monitor, you know, Twitter really gets it and has really been sort of following closely. Um, but those people are, I think, more engaged and have been following the issues uh, longer. Right. Uh, so that's a really good spot to sort of have the more intellectual conversation. And, and you sort of know you're winning the intellectual argument um, when you're on Twitter, when you're winning on Twitter. Um, but you're sort of, you never really know if you're winning the popular, <laughs> popular <laughs> argument, right? Um, until you're on Facebook. And Facebook's a little bit more dicey, right? You get a lot more spread. You get a lot more people who have not really been following the issues. There's a lot more um, partisanship uh, right. in terms of what information people are deciding they want to 
to believe versus understanding the actual facts. And it's hard, it's hard to know everything. There's so much stuff going on Mm -hmm. in the world today in general. So to be uh, up to date on everything is difficult. Um, So really Facebook is more sort of how do we target our, our, the the general public and populace, but it's also harder to to reach people because it's very more, Twitter is sort of broadcast. Literally anybody can see your, your, your tweets essentially versus Mm -hmm. Facebook. You sort of have to find ways to navigate into uh, people's, uh, communities and, and networks unless you're willing to pay for advertising um, which we do and advertising is also a, a great approach we can talk more about that later um, that's, a, that's quite a rabbit hole but um, <laughs> other than that that's a useful rabbit hole <laughs> we found um, but yeah it's, it's, a, it's a different beast uh, and then we use uh, Instagram YouTube and, and TikTok yeah I definitely noticed your Twitter posts tends to be, you know, quote unquote, go more viral, I suppose would be the, would right. be the word for it. It's, it's far more easy, I guess, to get your message or the AMA's message kind of shared um, on Twitter than necessarily on Facebook. Well, I think you see it on Twitter, right? You, if we hit, hit the nail on the head, you really see it. But if we, something goes viral, quote unquote, on Facebook, you might not see it unless it shows up on your Facebook feed, mm-hmm. um, right? So we have had some some big success on on Facebook, but it's a much bigger audience, I think. And you won't it's it's less sort of like open, so it's harder to monitor and track that. Right. So one thing I wanted to add to all that too, in terms of you know what we're using this for, is it, it's also a great engagement and listening tool, right? To understand what conversations are happening out there, and that's one thing I don't think we'd used it for in the past. It's been a, a good learning is that the you don't you can't sort of sit down at people's dinner tables and hear what they're saying about you know, the healthcare system. But if you can go on Twitter and you sort of get connected to those, um, those communities, you can hear what doctors' concerns are about. You can hear what the public's concerns are about. And so that's been really useful in terms of informing um, our organization about, you know, what do we think about? What do we should focus on? What sort of communications we be putting out there? I think it's interesting you said as well that, you know, you found, oh, the government is using social media. You know, we, we should also be on there. And you had mm-hmm. mentioned fact-checking as an important uh, tool or, or way that you're using social media. So I think that's really interesting to kind of, okay, well, we got to, we, for, for the AMA's perspective, from what I'm hearing, it was, oh, you know, these relevant conversations to our organization are happening. Why aren't we there we need to be there too right mm-hmm. and honestly i don't think those conversations were really happening that much before suddenly they were um and i think you know social media had been weaponized to a degree right and so <laughs> that was where the conversations <laughs> were happening we had to we had to jump in there and and, and sort of say our piece steph would you say you know that your that the ama's use of social media has been a success then over the years are you tracking what success on social media looks like does that vary from kind of your everyday versus if you're doing specific uh, social media campaigns. Can you just talk about social media success? Yeah. Uh, So if you look at our numbers, it's definitely indicative of success. I just checked them this morning. And since October of last year, our total net audience growth is up 900%. Um, (laughs) And uh, so, and Twitter has been the most explosive. We've we've, um, amassed 7,000 new followers. Um, If you average over our four main channels, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, we don't do a lot on LinkedIn. Um, our impressions are up 1,800%. Our engagements are up 2,600%. And our clicks are up 1,000%. So it's pretty, it's a lot. Um, I, I know we wish we could do more with our posts, but it's just 
the two of us and social media is only part of our day to day. So, right. and we're not for profit. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as tracking, we use a third party tool for our organic posts and our, but our paid posts, we just look directly at the analytics that are provided by that platform. So we look at the Facebook analytics for our ads. And of course, when we're doing campaigns, we get reports from um, external consultants that we work with. Mm -hmm. um, as far as varying between the organic stuff and campaigns, right now the difference between those, it's marginal because well, like Leopold said, 2020 has been an extraordinarily active year for us <laughs> for reasons. Um, and, and COVID also, like that's, that's kept us really busy too. But typically with campaigns, our uh, engagement increases because we are just more active on mm -hmm. the platforms. Do you guys measure success by kind of the comments that you're getting or the sentiment that you're getting or, you know, that, I mean, I see just casually on Twitter, people just every day supporting doctors and saying that they're, they're on the side of doctors and that sort of thing. Do you, um, are you guys watching that as well and, and counting that as success? We're not officially recording it, but yeah, <laughs> that's a really good point. Uh, we have an amazing community uh, on, on Twitter and on Facebook of these people who are very well informed and they jump in and they engage in discussions with, with folks who don't have all of the information. And, and it's at the point where we, we mostly don't have to uh, weigh in because they answer the questions. I think it's interesting that you said that you're a team of two for social media and social media isn't even, you know, the main focus of both of your jobs. Um, and yet, you know, it sounds like it plays a pretty important role, but I, I suppose what I'm, what I'm getting at is you don't, I mean, ideally you would want to have someone that's able to focus on social media fully um, in order to see some really good results, but you guys have managed to see some good success despite kind of making it work <laughs> with what you've got, right? <laughs> it's, it's sort of a bit like being thrown onto a roller coaster. Yeah. You know, and then being told you're brave. It's like, well, we were, we just found ourselves in the situation and we really sort of <laughs> uh, adjusted to find ways to make it really work. Um, but that said, a lot of our regular job has fallen to the side. At least for me, it has. Yeah. We can't do both. And, and you know, like, we, like Steph says, we're a nonprofit there. We're, of a very traditional um, organization in terms of communication style as well. So there hasn't been a lot of focus on, on, you know, developing internal capacity, specific internal capacity for that. And, and, you know, that's changed. I think the organization has definitely realized the value of uh, our engagement on social media and wants to continue with that. Um, whether we can get a formal social media uh, unit is another situation, but right now with, with everything going on, that's not a possibility. So it's really um, developing tools, developing capacity, developing processes just to distribute and spread that expertise around, um, which I think has been a, is a huge component of our success. And I think any organization's success, it's, it's hard to have just one person mm -hmm. be the voice of the organization unless your organization is very straightforward. Um, right. in, a, in a situation like this, we're having disputes and you, there's all sorts of facts and you know, extremely complicated topics going around that we have to be right on in a very short notice. Right. Um, it, it's, it's super key that we have built those connections within our organization to the board, to, you know, the, the, the quants and the, and the data analysts, sorry, data analyst people so that we can be fast, but also be correct. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a thing about trust there too. And I know when I had worked uh, briefly with you guys on a campaign before, I was 
I thought it was interesting that, you know, it was sort of like, oh, you know, Leopold handles kind of the, the fact checking for some, or like, you know, or, or it's like, no, Leopold's got that. And it was, it was just like, it was just, there's trust for Leopold. <laughs> but, yeah, we know what he, he can say what he wants. We know that he's got, that he knows the, you know, the facts that he's got, he's able to correct it. Um, but there was that trust there, I think that you've been able to build internally as well to get to that point where you can just reply on social mm -hmm. media. You don't have to, you know, send a bunch of emails and wait for a chain of command before you hit tweet, right? Yeah, it's kind of like the iceberg picture, right? There was a lot of work behind the scenes that we never really sort of, could never really get to that point. And when this broke out, suddenly we figured it out. And you talk about trust, but a lot of that was, you know, trust in myself that I had the, the, the authority and, yeah than actually knowing what I'm talking about to do it. And I think there's a couple components to that. One is, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes in terms of our own, developing our own communications processes and then there's data there. And, you know, this is a lot of stuff we're doing now followed months and months of negotiation and, and tons and tons of work right. um, by our, our, our organization to understand the picture, the real picture and developing graphs, and developing charts. So when, it was fairly easy in a way to sort of counter misinformation because we'd been spending so much time developing a real picture of what's actually going on that wasn't being listened to. So it was sort of like, okay, well, we've got all this information and now we've got a public who wants to know. So let's put that out. Um, but I think the other, the other piece of that is that doctors got fully engaged on right. Twitter, uh, at least to the start, I think they're on Facebook as well, but mostly it's Twitter and they really know what they're talking about. And they're super passionate about this stuff, which is really comforting for me because I can sort of follow sort of their responses and be like, okay, yes, these make sense. Or oh, here's the angle that I missed. And then it, it just allows me to be sort of a, a fast expert rather than a deep expert. <laughs> um, and uh, just keep on top of it that way. And, but there's always stuff happening in the background in terms of connecting with everyone else and, and getting, getting a lot of guidance. And we've only gotten better at that as we've gone along. You know, since you're mentioning kind of the individual doctor accounts, um, yeah, on, on Twitter, uh, especially, I follow a bunch. I'm just wondering, can you share, you know, did that all happen organically as well? Or did, you know, was uh, the Alberta Medical Association specific about, hey, doctors, you can use Twitter for, you know, advocacy, or you can use Twitter and, and will amplify your messages or, or things like that? Or is that, you know, becoming a bit more structured or... Mm -hmm curious what the how that sort of all evolved <laughs> I, I would say it's the it's majoritarily been organic yeah right either there was doctors on twitter who we didn't know existed because they weren't tweeting about really doctory stuff or stuff that came off our radar yeah, and then this stuff. singular issue blowing up really brought them to the fore for us so we really focused on following people so we could get build up that community mm -hmm. and, and know what they're talking about but i think it also just drove people to twitter when people saw us we had some really early sort of viral posts where we started finally responding to government uh, right. that I think drew, drove a lot of doctors onto Twitter. Um, so, you know, that, that blew up, you know, and we typically don't, we're not doing anything sort of under the water. If, if we're putting out a formal uh, message that we would like to have um, spread around, right. um, definitely we've, we have a list of influencers that we've, we've talked to and we say, Hey, we're trying to get some uptake on this. Um, can you help share the news? But it's nothing sort of that we wouldn't say ourselves. Right. Um, but for the for the most part, really, they're driving the conversation and we're amplifying and, and learning from them what they're focusing on. And so there's a bit of the sort of the traditional um, AMA approach, mm -hmm. which we then sort of filter down to social media. And then there's also sort of the, the bottom up 
where Twitter conversations are happening and that's filtering up to the board, that's filtering up to our own conversations about, okay, maybe we need to address this or can we reamplify re this or not? But there hasn't been a lot of sort of directing those members um, what to do. Right. That said, you know, there has been a lot of interest in, from doctors in joining Twitter and, and other social media and they're not really comfortable or don't have experience doing that. So we've been trying to provide some training and, and things like that. I believe you've been involved in some of that to help them um, know how to use Twitter properly. Now let's just take a short ad break now to hear from one of our sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by CPA Alberta. It may be cliche to say now, but we really are living in unprecedented times. And that's why you should consider hiring a chartered professional accountant, also known as a CPA, to help guide you through this pandemic and jumpstart your recovery. With a CPA on your team, you can be confident you'll find the best solutions to even your biggest business problems. CPAs are trained to dig in and truly understand how an organization operates, where it already excels, and how it can be better. For an inside look at how Alberta CPAs are supporting their clients through the pandemic, follow CPA Alberta on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can also visit cpaalberta.ca for more information. So I know um, advocating for different issues that are important for your members uh, doctors is is you know obviously one of the important ways you're using social media um, and you've said you know over the years you, you the account is getting more vocal um, about issues or, or not afraid to, to fact check or correct if things are if things are incorrect um, right. can you talk more about I guess shift in tone or strategy or that just kind of happened a lot of organizations sort of waffle with the type of voice that they want to have right. online um, whether or not you know oh that's too that's too direct or or no, we don't want to be too controversial. Um, but I feel like in the AMA's case online, it that directness or that kind of that tone has helped has helped your organization. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. It's been somewhat of a surprise, um, a good surprise. But uh, you know, it sort of I think it initially came out of a lot of frustration after months and months of negotiations, um, <laughs> and then having government essentially being on Twitter, spreading, spreading misinformation while we're negotiating and negotiating in public. And, and we held back from that. We didn't want to do that. Um, so when the contract was sort of torn up, it was, we could finally, uh, I guess, let loose and, and say all the things we were saying, you know, at the negotiation table, but right. say it in public. And uh, I think that sort of took them by surprise um, because <laughs> they weren't that active and, and direct before. And I think, you know, Twitter goes for that, you know, as much as, um, it, it's, inform it's informative. It's also an entertainment medium, right? <laughs> so people want to, people like a fight and it's something we want to have a fight. We want to have a negotiation. We want to have a, a contract and right. a fair, um, so resolution to this, but at the same time, we want to be very clear. Like, you know, some of the things that are being said, said are absurd and, and, and putting it in ways that people can, can get behind and understand and, and want to read. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, and again, I think social media, especially Twitter has, is, there's a, there's a voice to Twitter, right? And so sure, you need yeah. to, to adopt to that. And I think there's also getting the organization comfortable with the fact that this is not how we put out a press release. This is <laughs> not how we would put out a presence letter, but yeah. this is social media and this is our social media voice and it's held to a different standard. Uh, in my opinion, social media burns, burns hot, but burns for a short time, right. right? So as much as you want to be correct, you also have to understand that you're moving fast and it's, it's more sort of conversational in nature. It's, yeah, it's interesting that, that it was sort of, there was a there was something specific that kind of pushed you uh or pushed the ama in that kind of tone or voice direction on social media where you know other organizations might not have something like that 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 pushes them but i think it's it's important to think about even if you don't have 
um, maybe something off social media that's driving you to be more direct or to change your tone online is that still mm -hmm. it still can be effective proactive yeah. about your voice i think is something to keep in mind for other organizations well i think what's what made that entertaining for people too is we're playing a bit against type and i think we were sort of i think that was one expectation from the government is that you know we're this 115 year old organization that's you know very very formal um and we're not you know we're, we're not going to do well when, if it comes down to playing on a new medium like Twitter or right. or something like that. And it's sort of like, well, no, there's real people in here, and you know, there's another way. We're not just one bag of tricks, right? And right. Uh, I think that really sort of got people engaged. Like, oh, maybe the AMAs, you know, not just a stuffy organization that has very formal communications. It's people who who care and who are thinking about this and who are mm -hmm. passions and and really want the the right information to come out. I think that surprise element also probably piqued a lot of people's interest as they were kind of watching. I know that, I, well, speaking personally, I remember when I started seeing the AMA kind of <laughs> be more direct and be more, yeah. uh, you know, a little snarky, let's say. And I'm like, oh man, right. that's, 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 that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pay attention now. <laughs> so Steph, we worked together last spring on uh, the Alberta Medical Association's Stay Healthy Alberta campaign. Can you share about the social media approach for this campaign and also um, just talk about you know, other AMA, do you guys do a lot of, I guess, digital or social campaigns? Yeah, I loved working on this campaign with you. It was super fun. Um, <laughs> so the purpose, it's a public education campaign and it was to remind Albertans that our province's doctors are still hard at work delivering patient-centered quality healthcare uh, during the COVID-19 crisis and at any other time. Um, the core pillar of the campaign was to remind Albertans of the active role they play in our health system as well. So yeah, so we, we used social media to provide physician recommended advice on how Albertans can stay healthy while navigating this um, strange world we're living in right now. Um, I suppose it's not strange anymore at this point though. <laughs> it's just this new, I hate that, the new normal. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> we're all in this together. Sorry, I'm being very You're just saying, saying all of the words. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, yeah, so the advice we shared came from credible medical professionals, and because we were all advised to stay home and stay safe, social media delivery was a perfect match for this, right? Um, it was an interactive campaign and largely organic. We had some paid social and a complimentary website. One of the things we did before launch was add two new platforms to AMA's social channels, which I was really excited about. Um, we, didn't, we didn't have the capacity to handle them, so that's the only reason why we didn't already have these. But um, So thank you for that, Linda. So we ended up with an Instagram and a TikTok account, <laughs> which we were very excited about. That was a good push. <laughs> pushing beyond our, even my comfort zone, which I feel comfortable. No, and, I have no you know, idea what the... Yeah. Oh. So I, I honestly wanted to, and I still, I rave about you guys as like clients <laughs> because, because honestly, I think it was, it, and to, this sort of speaks to Leopold saying, you know, we're over 115 years old, you know, people have this perception that we're stuffy. And, you know, honestly, I was, I, I sort of had that perception too. And I'm like, I, and I've worked with different clients where I try to pitch something new to them, or I try to pitch something creative for them. Um, and it's all very, you know, people tend to want to 
play it safe or we're not sure or we haven't done that yet um maybe not this time around and so i wasn't you know i i i was i was pitching these things but still i i thought it made sense for this campaign for the stay healthy campaign but i i it was gonna be 50 50 you know whether or not you would say right. yes if you would go for it and <laughs> and you guys went for it <laughs> and i and i and the i thought that obviously i thought the results were great and i think and i think pitching or finding ways to try something new or be creative specifically for a campaign is a good way to kind of squeak in there, right? It's not like, a, and I think that is how when we had our early conversations, there were concerns like, oh, you know, if we do Instagram now, or if we do TikTok, does that mean we, you know, have to do it after the campaign? What we don't have the resources for that or the capacity for that. So really kind of framing it as a no, this can be just for the campaign. And then, you know, we'll see if it's a success. And if you'd like to carry it forward after that, great. If not, just treat it like kind of a pilot project. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think that really worked. But I, honestly, so like I rave about how, whether or not brave is the right choice for it. But I think that 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 the AMA was willing to take this chance and this you know it measured risk I'd say I, I think that we we still put thought into what we were going to do on Instagram and TikTok and and we were you know we we still planned for what potential criticisms there might be so that so we were prepared for all of that um, but but that's still such a huge leap to take and I think a lot of organizations especially ones that are you know over a hundred years old <laughs> um, they wouldn't do that. So you guys, you guys did, or you guys did help advocate, you know, to get the approvals for that. And I think that's so, that's just so rare. <laughs> Honestly, I think a, a lot, a lot of that credit goes up to the, to the top, right. To our director, Shan, and, and to uh, mm -hmm. the CEO, Mike, you know, even just being like, okay, you know, let's, let's try new things. Let's, let's, it's a new world. Let's move fast and break things. And I was surprised, you know, I've been in this area for quite some time <laughs> and usually it's not the social media people or the web people who are like, wait a minute, we don't want to try anything new. It's sort of them like griping and, you know, groveling that no you know, organization right. doesn't want to try anything new, doesn't want to move and doesn't matter. You know, it's always, well, next time, you know, let's you talk about that. That's usually sort of the response you get. So I was kind of like, you know, it came down and it was like, really, we were going to do TikTok. Um, which is cool. Yeah. Of like, how are we going to do this? But yeah. you know, I think you helped us through that by saying, you know, this doesn't have to be forever. Mm -hmm. This, you know, let's. And I'm a big advocate of, you know, let's let's try things. You know, you learn by fiddling around and, and breaking things. And it was good content because we knew the content was solid. And if we our delivery wasn't great, well, you can't fault us for that. As long as we're not spreading misinformation. And then it turned out it did, did amazing. So I think the risk with any organization trying to use TikTok to to share their message is that people might think. Ugh, you know these the, this old school corporate you know these oldies trying to get <laughs> hello yes, fellow kids get, yeah, yeah. Is that uh Steve Buscemi meme yeah, yes yes <laughs> so, so there's always that risk and I, I think you know there was still that risk but we tried to you know we were like here's six videos that we're going to try they're very short um, we're going to try to replicate existing kind of funny content that's on TikTok. But then I think the thing that really worked was that your members and doctors saw that the AMA was doing TikTok videos. And then what ended up happening was that then the doctors started doing TikTok videos for the campaign without even being asked. Um, mm -hmm. And that was the, those were the videos that actually ended up uh, I believe at last count, like uh, almost half a million views on the one video. 
Um, and that was entirely just because doctors saw that their organization, their AMA was, was experimenting with this and they thought, you know, we could, we can do this too. <laughs> yeah. And it was a bit of fun. It was a very serious time, right? So it was a way yeah. for people to have sort of fun, but also be on message with, you know, let's, let's get through this thing together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no. I, I add to that, um, there was pushback from yes. members and from the public, you know, there was, was some comments being like, oh, you know, this is we're trying to be too cool or what are we doing on TikTok? We're not a serious organization. Yeah, and, yeah. and there was that pushback, but you know, honestly, I think when those messages started to spread um, that helped, you know, make the case for us. And at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about trying to reach people. So we're not going to, you know, hold our nose and be above uh, a platform that, that reaches people. Now we'll just take one more short break to hear from this episode's this episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is brought to you by Unbelts, the Edmonton-based business that makes the comfiest stretch belts around. Unbelts also makes cloth masks designed by serious perfectionists. The masks follow all the latest WHO guidelines. They're ethically made right down to their components. And most importantly, they're super comfortable, even if you have to wear them all day. You can mix and match colored masks with colored straps that go around your head or get ear loop add-ons if that's your thing. They've got a waterproof performance shell on the outside and an organic cotton lining inside. You can also put a filter in between. Unbelts masks come in all sorts of colors and four sizes from preschooler to adult extra large. They've been featured in Parents Magazine, Elle Canada, and were even named Best in Edmonton. Head to unbelts.ca to order your mask today. Shipping is always free and you can enter the code APN for a free mini laundry bag just for Alberta Podcast Network listeners. Okay, so I'm wondering, um, Steph, you know, because the AMA has has done a fair bit of uh, digital campaigns, paid and or organic social campaigns over the years, do you have tips uh, or advice for other associations or organizations who might might want to, you know, level up their uh, what they're doing or, or, or really get into it? I don't think it requires a complex strategy. Uh, all we do is make the most of hashtags to help with our organic reach, and we use paid media to do um, audience targeting. Um, and in that process, we've learned more about where our audiences are hanging out, like which platforms they're, they're using. We can put together our content based on who we're talking to, right? I, I think, you know, it really depends on the organization. I think organic reach is the dream, but it's hard to get that. At, um, we got lucky, quote unquote, because this issue blew up that suddenly, you know, it was just, you know, I don't want to say manna raining from the heavens because it wasn't really a positive thing, but there was just so much going on. We were just following left and right and we're getting followed. And every time we posted something, we get all sorts of reach. And then suddenly you see how social media like really works when you're, when you're popular, quote unquote, right? So um, that, I think you have to take advantage of those things and, and try, to, try to get some spread. I, I do want to sort of, as much as I sort of personally dislike advertising, I want to sing the praises of using social advertising, especially on Facebook, um, mm -hmm. to build that audience to define your community. Because when people comment, it will sort of flow through to the people who are interested and people who comment or like on things. Mm -hmm. um, you can then sort of follow them and, and invite them to, to like or follow your page. And obviously not all of them will do that. But it gives you a much better sense of who's actually interested out there. And you build a bit of a community that then follows your page. So when you do start posting later, you've got that, that base that will comment or retweet um, going forward. Mm -hmm. So I think there's lots of strategies to, to being effective. Uh, getting spread, though, I think definitely using influencers to, to spread messages has been helpful. And I found on Twitter a really good trick is, I personally, I, I'm not a, I don't think in small sound bites. I think in big, big chunks. And I think a lot of the information we want to put out there is nuanced. And it's hard to cover that in, in a 
256 characters or whatever it is these right. days. And, and using threads has been huge and quote tweeting other people and, and quote retweeting and then having multiple threads has been a really excellent way of getting a, a bigger, more complex message out there and getting a lot of spread on that message. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's the way I hadn't leveraged Twitter before. And I think it's, it's highly effective uh, if you're an organization that um, doesn't have a quick, you know, pithy soundbite. <laughs> it's okay. Is, you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Um, and it's just sort of like, you know, getting conversations started. That's really what you want to do. We've sort of talked about it, but would you say if you could round up a few, you know, what have been the successes and what have been the challenges uh, for the AMA um, when it comes to using social media? Well, the success is that a lot of people are listening to us. And I think we really, we, we did a really good job there of getting the points we were trying to make behind closed doors negotiations out there to the general public and, and making people aware of what's going on and what the issue at hand was. And I think we were successful at that. So that was really good. And that's, we can't take all the credit for that because our community did a ton of work there too, but that has been successful. I think another major success for us just in terms of our social media uh, expertise is how do I talk about it? You, uh, the, the organization has to sort of act as one voice on social media. People expect you to sort of act as one voice, but also like they're having a direct conversation with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so really making a line up through the organization and back down through to the social media team um, has been crucial because without that, you just can't get approval on things. It takes two days. You know, we're, the, we're social media, we're, we're web nerds. We don't know what's going on at board. We don't know what's happening behind closed doors and negotiations. We don't understand all the data that the health economics team is, really understands and has spent a lot of time working on. And really we focused a lot of our efforts on how do we make, there's an, make sure there's an interior, interior network um, where information on social media is flowing through up to those people and they're aware of it and that that information is flowing down to us. And that's unusual for, you know, those conversations that are happening at that behind closed doors at the, at the top of the organization to then flow immediately down to people who are sort of, I don't want to say we're lower on the rung, but I mean, essentially we're, we're very specialized in terms of focusing on a social media channel. Right. right. So really building that internal um, network uh, that hive mind is how I usually refer to it. Um, it has been crucial for us to be able to respond like we do. And I would recommend any organization uh, uh, do that. Um, challenges and successes. I think another challenge for us in terms of adopting social media and getting better at it is a lot of the resources out there and information is really targeted at sales-based organizations. Yep. Right. Now, how do you get, how do you sell this widget or how do you get more followers? And right. we're a nonprofit organization and most of the time we're talking to our members. That's super boring for the general public. Um, but every now and then, and I think we need to do, I think this, is, this uh, dispute has really shown we need to do much more uh, informing to the general public because there is a lot of misconceptions and, and, and lack of information among the public. Um, but we need to do more sort of um, social messaging out there. And um, we need to do that, that more. Um, but, you know, that we sort of had to figure out on our own because there doesn't seem to be a lot of resources, at least that I've found, that help mm-hmm. organizations do that. And so I think if there's other PTMAs uh, listening or other nonprofit organizations listening, they're, they're probably going to find themselves in a similar situation. They don't know what to do with social media. How do I make it work? Right. P- PTMAs are provincial territorial medical associations. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think it's just a trick of understanding how to be uh, react, reactive and proactive. And I don't think in the past we've been very good at being proactive. And I think that, again, that's the issue with how do you do that on Twitter when you're not selling something? How do you do that on Facebook when you're not selling something? Um, reactive is easier, but it's harder to get. 
right? We now we now be reactive because the conversation is already happening with our name on it. So we just jump in there when it makes sense. Right. And, we, and we feel like we can add something. And I think it's always very important to be intentional with social media. You can always just respond, try to respond to everything, which you shouldn't. But, um, you know, deciding when you should be joining the conversation is good. And we've, we've learned that. I think that's that's been another success. But when this dispute is finally done. <laughs> when? <laughs> yeah, come to all come to our senses. We will we'll be back in that situation where we now have a ton of followers and a ton of expectation. And how do we continue to make effective use of that for for the public and for our membership and for the organization? Mm-hmm. And, and then we'll be back in sort of the, thinking more proactively about getting our message out. Because things have been so so smooth, we haven't maybe done a good enough job of um, sort of finding out what those topics that people care about and need to know more about and spreading right. it. But I'm also excited <laughs> about you know finding topics that that we can sort of inform the public on, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's always, everyone has a complaint about the healthcare system and that, that's fine. It's a super complicated yeah. system and we do need to make improvements to it. So I can think of ways we could help inform, you know, people, why can't I get a doctor's appointment or why is my doctor always late? Yeah. There's actually systemic reasons for why this happens. It's mm-hmm. not just because doctors that. are lazy or blah, blah, blah. We, we should be doing a better job of explaining why this happened. The education piece of it. Right, yeah. So Steph, just wondering, you know, I'd love your perspective on how the AMA deals with negativity on social media. So Leopold kind of said, you guys don't jump into every conversation or everything that's said to you. You want to mm-hmm. add value, but what about... You know, are, do you get trolls? Do you get people who are upset, who are angry? Do you ignore? Do you respond? Kind of, what's your typical approach? So, AMA's position is that it's important that we promote civil debate um, and avoid censoring as much as possible. Um, but there, it's inevitable, especially on Facebook. There's just the people are upset about things, and they feel confident to be vocal about them. Um, so, <laughs> very polite way of putting it. <laughs> Yeah, AMA and um, Alberta Physician Supporters across our platforms have been fantastic in advocating and educating. So we largely stay out of it unless a question has not been answered by someone else. With paid social, debate can be a key driver for conversions and for strengthening our support, right? So it is rare, but we do occasionally hide comments. Really, really rare, though. It's only when they violate our community guidelines or include you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, prejudiced sentiments. What I really like about Facebook, though, is they have this nice passive-aggressive approach where you hide comments, but the original poster and their friends won't know because they can still see it, but no one else can see it. It's very clever. (laughs) Also, Facebook automatically hides comments that have swears in them. So if you have, if you make a really good point, but you include a naughty word, Facebook's going to hide it. So we AMA, we want to be genuine and show that we are thoughtful um, and that our posts are well-reasoned and factual. Over the past few years working in social media, especially this past year, my perspective and behavior on my personal accounts has changed significantly. It's good not to take things personally because people uh, who post awful things, they don't, they don't see it as they're talking to a person. They see it as they're speaking to a computer or an algorithm, right? Um, and then on the other side of it is I'm way nicer to people who post ads. I just assume that I'm speaking to someone like myself and, <laughs> you know, um, they're there. You know, you had a little typo, but don't worry about it because your message was great. Keep it up. <laughs> You're doing awesome. So, funny. so it's sort of affected how you treat other accounts online. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think 
we really have sort of two rules for engaging with uh, abusive comments. One, as Stephanie said, if it violates community guidelines, essentially if it's abuse, we're not going to tolerate that, mm -hmm. right? We don't want a toxic well. Um, mm -hmm. So we tend to come down on that. And like Steph says, that, was, that stuff tends to get blocked. The real, the bad stuff gets blocked automatically by um, platforms in a lot of cases. Uh, and then we won't respond. We try not to respond to negative comments, but I think you need to think about it strategically. Mm -hmm. So if a negative comment is pushing um, like misinformation or has a, even though it's not a nice comment, it has a valid point or a valid concern, or it's something we feel like needs to be addressed, we'll respond at least once to correct that information. And usually it's not to change that person's mind because if they're trolly, they're not, that, they're not interested in changing their mind. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but right. other people are seeing those comments, right? So it helps to sort of arm other people or answer that question for someone who's potentially nicer, but still wonders about that you know, particular topic that, that the negative comment is, is around. So to respond to that, we want to get the information out there. So you got to think of them as opportunities, mm -hmm. but you have to be careful you don't get sucked into, you know, a black hole because that's where that stuff goes, where they respond and you respond. So at some point you need to say, I, I'm better off focusing on positive messages or pushing out new messages or addressing this in a, in a way in which organization is, is, is in control of um, uh, not only the message, but the way it's being talked about, mm -hmm. rather than getting sucked down into a one-on-one fight with someone who's probably never going to change not change their mind but listen so i guess my last question is you know whether or not you guys have anything else you'd like to share or anything that we miss any advice you would give to you know maybe doctors who want to get into social media or you know the social media managers that are listening and how they might apply it uh, where they're working um, any final advice or key takeaways uh, we have, we've booked some uh, events coming up with uh, this excellent consultant who's going to train <laughs> physicians on using social media. So uh, keep an eye out on our website for that if you want to attend. <laughs> it's Linda, by the way, who's going to be doing the training. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I think for social media managers who are sort of in the space like we were a year ago, um, I think it's really, it's hard to make the case for social media until there's, there's an, uh, something that pops up like this, but I think you can do a lot of work um, developing that hive mind and developing processes to make sure that the upper echelons of the organization is aware of what's going on on social media and, and vice versa. I think that's a, that's a big a big thing to do um, to sort of find success. If, if you don't have someone who's got the dedicated time to focus on social media, you definitely need to find ways of dist distributing um, the spread of of tr tracking and reporting mm -hmm. um, of social media and also tr responding. You've probably already done that in your formal communications work. Um, I tend, to, you know, they tend to break things up. Oh, here's the digital team and here's the, uh, the other team, the traditional team. And I think that that barrier needs to, to break down and get erased because right. whether a conversation is happening digitally or, or in meat space, it doesn't matter. It's the same. It's a conversation, right? And, and there's a person in my organization who understands um, member and public questions much better than I do but because they're a traditional media person that they wouldn't respond to it on social when I don't know what I'm talking about on that topic. Right. Um, so I think that needs to sort of, that barrier needs to, to break down and, and just seeing social media as just part of another um, aspect of, of communications. Um, the big thing is you can't respond to everything on social media. Like it's just going to be totally overwhelming. So you really, really, really need to be strategic, right? Mm -hmm. Don't worry. There's going to be conversations. There's going to be trolls. There's going to be things that get away from you. That's going to happen. Um, and then really, I think, don't be afraid to experiment and, and move fast and break things. Social media is, is different than traditional media um, and expect, expectations are different. And you can always just say, hey, we're learning this. As long as you don't have your information wrong, like really wrong, right. 
And if people have questions or they want to want to specific have a specific question, they can always reach out. I'm happy to answer and stuff. We've learned a lot, so I like sh I like sharing what I've learned. So awesome. I'm open to no, that. that's great. I really appreciate both of you uh, coming on this podcast, sharing such interesting insights. And I think especially, uh, it's it's going to be especially interesting because you're sort of, at least depending on when people listen to this, you're still kind of in that <laughs> social media fight. So <laughs> uh, I loved working uh, briefly with you guys uh, this past spring. And, and I do rave about uh, your kind of risk taking and your tone and and, and all of that to, to anyone who will listen. So <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for promoting us. And, and hopefully we can work more together because I think it's been yeah. very uh, positive. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Don't Call Me a Guru. We are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. The music you're listening to throughout the episode is by musician Doug Hoyer. Stay tuned for next month. We'll have another episode. I promise won't take a longer break this time. I'm your host, Linda Huang, and it was great talking social media strategy with you.